Okay, so today we're just going to be going over David Hume and some of his thoughts. I wanted to start off with skepticism. And so David Hume uh, claims he's an empiricist, means that we get knowledge through our senses. And I think, after considering things, I don't think Hume is a pure empiricist. And many of the things he talks about, he mentions how there are impressions of what you can see, of, of the feelings that you have through your senses, and then you have ideas. And so those ideas may be combining certain impressions, uh, and you may be able to pick up on the cause and effect. You may be able to group certain impressions uh, based off what you're seeing with your senses. One thing I really did like about David Hume is how he mentioned the utility of ideas and how rational ideas often have less utility. And so when we're thinking about something like science, and there's pseudoscience and actual science. The problem with empiricism lies in the pseudoscience, where like Sigmund Freud would look at what somebody's doing, and he can pick what he wants to observe because he has an idea of what he wants the end result to be. So you're subject to bias. Uh, with rationalism, you're not subject to that bias. But the problem with rationalism, rationalism is it tries to confine you in the sense of certainty. And I clearly, I don't think you can ever be certain of anything. So it confines in this certainty. And the biggest problem with rationalism, like if we go back to Descartes and distinguishing the mind and the body. And so later down, we hear about different stories where if people removed a certain part of their brain, they actually change their personality. So the problem with rationalism is that you can always have a lack of data and then your reason of thought can be can be flawed. And then how do we correct that reason of thought? Well, an experience happens and we see what happens from the experience. So I don't think you can ever arrive at complete certainty about the universe, but I think you should consider the utility of certain things. And so back to the problem of empiricism with looking at things like biases, I think the way you can overcome that is by trying to disprove what you originally think and then also uh, looking at David Hume's is odd problem. And so I think if you look at it in that perspective where you're just trying to find facts and not derive some meaning from that facts, what has to happen because of those facts, then you're more likely to, and also just trying to look at it from a third person perspective. It, it's still hard, but it makes more sense and has much more utility than a rationalist perspective. So the further this distinction, I think it's a good place to start looking at feelings over reason. Now, Hume was not saying we use feelings or reason one over the other. He mentioned how reason was a slave to feelings and that we first come with some level of reason and then from, sorry, we first come with some level of feelings and then we use reason to support it. It's kind of like, oh, I have, I have this initial feeling or I, I have decided on this feeling and now I have to support it with some level of reason. And so one way we can distinctively come to a conclusion on this is by looking at actions. Hume talks about how actions are caused by instincts and direct passions or the feelings that you may have. And he says that reasons are never the start of any action. All the time, it's we want to seek pleasure or pain and our reasoning helps us discover what the causes are to get that pleasure or pain in a certain scenario. Uh, and just one key distinction I wanted to mention is that Hume often talked about how there is no cause and effect and how things only follow one after the other because you can't, you can't through your senses really tell if this one pool ball hitting another pool ball 
did really that one pool ball affect the other one or were those actions of moving a certain distance just followed one after another and so Hume says you can't come to a conclusion on that because you cannot fully experience it through your senses. So back to the idea of actions, Hume always thought there was an expectation of pain and pleasure. And to decide on a certain action, we would use reason to get whatever, whether we wanted to maximize pleasure or minimize pain. And I agree with this. I think if you take the nihilism perspective and you think of any action that you do, you can constantly ask, why do you want to do that? And then you eventually just come to the conclusion because it either makes you happy or you're trying to minimize the amount of pain that you could get from something. And that really, you can really test that experiment on anything that you do. And let's just continue along this ethical idea of David Hume for a bit. Let's say that we do have a impulse or a passion and we actually stop that, that passion from taking over that emotion guiding us to a certain action well it can't be stopped by reasoning given the conclusion that all actions stem from some sort of passion some sort of emotion so it must be a contrarian emotion that we're experiencing hume argued that this was a calm passion something that we often confuse with reasoning and so let's dive a bit more into some of these calm passions he mentioned one could just be instincts. So desires to avoid evil, desires to become more benevolent, d desires to retaliate to people. So there is even evil in that, but those are just instincts in us unless we have some sort of damage done to us. And then, okay, those are the compassions. Well, what determines what people do? If I have this deep resentment of anger, this impression that just occurred because maybe I'm stressed and that's building up, I have a test and and the teacher just took away like five marks for no reason. And so I have this deep idea of anger. What is going to determine what I do with those calm passions, those instincts versus the impressions that I currently have, those emotions driving a certain action? And Hume thought it was around general character, firstly, and then the present disposition. So I'm presently extremely stressed, extremely angry because I worked my ass off and stuff ain't going to go well. But then there's also the general character in terms of whether you more so desire to retaliate, whether you more so throw tantrums, whether you more so maybe forgive people. And so all those things can play a role, which is extremely interesting. And I think this was before the utilitarianism idea and bridging this gap of the is problem through something like pain and pleasure. But this moral philosophy, at least, it doesn't tell us exactly what to do at a certain time. It's really up to what the person thinks. We are driven by these emotions and that these combination of the general character that we're kind of born with, how we're wired, how we accept certain experiences, and then just what we're presently feeling are going to influence what we do. So we may end up killing someone. Uh, there's nothing saying that that's anything's going to really stop us. So back to the idea of feelings over reason. And I think given what we've come across is that we can definitely align on the fact that reasons are, or sorry, feelings are a bit more influential than reasons. And so what does that mean? What, I guess, what's kind of the implication of this? Uh, and I think it came from Hume's idea that not all emotions are equal. And so how do we determine what emotions to train? How do we determine what emotions to teach? Because uh, you could definitely imagine a scenario where maybe uh, you have the option of teaching someone through encouragement 
or pushing them down and trying to get them to work harder, instill this fear in them, get a fire under their ass so they're more likely to actually push and get somewhere. And so which one is better to do? And I think that, again, comes down to general uh, character and the present disposition of people's feelings. But I think that's extremely interesting thing that also taps into psychology uh, around different people and how different people can be treated. Like this really ties into the idea of anti-fragility, seeking discomfort. Should we actually seek these passions that stem more from an idea of pain? And I think it can be useful to examine them in both scenarios. Uh, but I think in general, when you're talking to people, I think the emotions that Hume talks about, like benevolence, patience, uh, being at ease, I think those are more driven to how people are going to act generally without maybe some idea of people's backgrounds. The last thing I wanted to touch on quickly was the idea of the self. Um, and now Hume thinks that there is no self, that at any point in time, we're just having a perception. And all we can do is check what that perception is. And so the idea is kind of if you think about if you put a bunch of toys in a box and and experiences and emotions and all these different things in this little box and then you remove the box, that's just what you are. You are just a bunch of perceptions, uh, a bunch of impressions that have come on to you. Maybe you have ideas um, and some later thinking led us to believe that while well, some of these impressions stick with us for a longer amount of time, because according to Hume, we are just different every second. And like Descartes, who had the idea of the soul or the mind or any of that stuff, well, Hume couldn't agree with that because you can't experience those stuff through your senses. So there was no utility or possible knowledge uh, that could be gained by thinking that way. But I do think this idea that we do evolve over time constantly, we are never the exact same person, but certain beliefs stay with us over a certain period of time. Like if you get married and you're changing over time, does that mean you should still you still love your partner and you should still live by your wedding vows if you're a constantly changing person? And so this other side of the philosophy and the fact that some of our impressions stay with us for a longer amount of time, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think this idea, though, it can be stretched because I, I think there is some constants that stay with us for quite a long period of time. I mean, if you think about someone who may be a cocaine lord or uh, somebody out against the government who runs their own crime organization. Well, they likely have a deep hated resentment to the government and how they operate and how they're pushing down the poor and that this is the only way they can come out. And that's guiding their, them their whole life. Those are the morals. Those are the values that are guiding them their entire life. And from there, it would take a radical experience to change their thoughts. And I think this also aligns in responsibility with many other things like jail uh, and also how religions determine whether you should go to heaven or hell. Given what you've done in the past, should you, if you've done terrible for the past 60 years of your life and you've come across this experience and it's changed who you are, it's ch it changed yourself to something greater, well, then should you still be considered bad? Uh, same thing with how long people's jail sentences should be. If you commit an act of murder, should you be sentenced for your entire life, even though you may going to jail, maybe that experience that changes the self. So you are no longer the same self that you are before. And I think genuinely that there are these experiences that can change the self, but measuring them or seeing when they are actually occurring people genuinely, those can be difficult to measure. But at the same time, when I'm thinking in that type of group, when 
I imagine the evil villain staring down the hero who could just end him right there and he has this thought of something greater or this memory or this voice that calls out that reminds him of this greater thing and he decides not to commit the act he was planning to do that was driven by such emotion. Well, that belief has now changed. The emotion has now changed. And maybe you do stay in jail for multiple years or maybe you will end up in hell. But at the end of the day, I think the person is content with themselves in this sense of realization and a greater sense of self. And they realize that that's actually what's most important to them and not so much just the realization for the effect of something else, for the outcome of being good. So that summarizes most of my th initial thoughts on the philosophy. I definitely plan to look more into it. Uh, but yeah, if you have any questions or counter arguments or thoughts to consider, I'd be down to hear them. See you till next time.